like you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke, chapter 7. And as Julian mentioned, if you're on Facebook, uh, if you're not on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, um, look up Praise Tabernacle. We're there. Like the page and then tell all your friends about it. If you're not on Facebook, it's entirely up to you what you do with it. Uh, if you don't know what Facebook is, don't even worry about it. Just be here each and every Sunday. That having been said, uh, occasionally we do use it as a means of communication, a means of uh, letting people, those who are there, know what's going on. Uh, and I just really felt in my heart uh, not to, to begin that series that I say in the bulletin we're going to begin uh, on the glory of God, but I just really felt to preach a message today entitled, How Jesus Handles Your Pain. Um, how Jesus Handles Your Pain. I, I realize, and, and I'm just going to, for a minute, before we read our text, if you get to Luke chapter 7, just look up this way once you're there. Um, I, I don't want to go too philosophically deep on us here today, but I know that one of the grand objections of many so-called atheists um, is that they have this tendency to project upon the world as we see it, as we know it, what they think it should be, and because they see it to be different than that, they assume that because it is a world... Um, it is, it is a world that they think God should have created, but they see something very differently. They assume God doesn't exist. A lot of people just take that approach, which is, uh, it's so fallacious, it's not even funny. It is assuming that somehow we know how the world should exist and how, sh how the world should be uh, in and of ourselves. We look around in the world and we see injustice. You look around the world and you see pain, you see suffering. You see sorrow. You see natural disasters having created these kinds of situations. And today I'm not here to offer a fast answer for any of that. I, I don't think any, any person, any pastor, any theologian, any philosopher, any, anybody has a fast answer. And quite frankly, not even the atheist can speak to the why of the suffering, the why of the pain. I don't think they really can. I just know that as a believer in Christ and knowing as I do that God exists and knowing that God has created a world that man essentially, and we read from Scripture, that man has muddled it, that man has created something other than what God has intended, pain and suffering and troubles and heartaches have come into the world. We have seen it from the very beginning. In fact, if you were to go back into the book of Genesis, you recognize that right from the get-go when Adam and Eve sinned and they partook of the fruit that they were not supposed to partake of, it was God who spoke and He said to Eve, you will now give birth in pain. And now, Adam, you will toil and you will 
live from the labor of your hands. You will toil and work with the dirt and the earth, and you will get your living from that. You will have to work for it. The pain will be there. The suffering will be there. And we know the ultimate suffering came into the world in that moment, and it was death. Death is all around us. Some people say death has become a part of life. It is a part of life, and yet it doesn't make it easy. It is no less, uh, uh, less complicated to deal with in your heart and in your mind. I, just last night I saw uh, a post from the daughter of a man of God who passed away last year, uh, just yesterday. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of his passing. A man that I, I loved, a man I knew well, who I, I looked up to as a man of God. He passed on. She said he walked out the door that morning with a, with a friend. He went, was going to the hospital to have some fluid around his heart drained. And she said he never returned home. I mean, you think about life and, and the suffering, she said, it has not gotten any easier. One year later, it's not any easier. Suffering is all around us. Pain is all around us. And people can say what they want to say. They can even, you know, kind of shake their fist at God and say, where is God in all of this? Clearly, we're not going to the scripture enough because God is there. We serve a God who is not silent. We serve a God who is not absent. We serve a God, and I know that one of the other projections that people often put on God is, well, then God should stop it all. If God were to stop it all, God would have to choose to remove from mankind his free will. He would have to just completely divest man of that, and you cannot do that. For God to be God, he had to have created man in his image, man with a free will, man with a will. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I'm not here to make light of whatever pain whatever suffering you have in your life whatever it is that when you lay your head on the pillow at night it is that thing that gnaws upon you maybe you don't weep yourself to sleep but you go to sleep with a heavy heart with something weighing on you that you think I just can't seem to get my head around this and I can't understand why this is happening to me I want you to know my friends that we have somebody in Jesus who is always with us. He is always there to help us, and He will be with you every step of the way. I want you to know, you may not know how to handle your pain today. Your husband or your wife may not know how to handle it. Your family may know not, not know how to handle the pain that you are in today or the suffering that you feel in your heart and in your mind, but I want you to know that the Bible reveals to us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. He was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. When you think of all that Jesus went through, he experienced pain both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Those three areas that we so often have to deal with pain. But I want you to know today, you may not know how to deal with it, but Jesus does. Jesus knows exactly what to do with the pain that you've experienced. Maybe it is the pain of disappointment. Maybe things haven't worked out quite the way you had hoped. Maybe it is that you have, you have been expecting something different 
to take place in your life. And you have experienced the pain of sameness. The pain of the mundane. The pain of things just not changing as they should. And that experience has, has brought about in your heart and in your mind this frustration like, like, is there really any hope? Does God really know what I'm experiencing? Does God really know what I'm going through? Does He really fully, can He fully understand what it is that I am dealing with? And I want you to know that there is nobody who understands like Jesus. There isn't anybody in the world who can fully comprehend what you're feeling on the inside like Jesus can. He alone is the one who knows how to deal with your pain. He, is the, he alone is the one who knows how to handle your situation and your, your pain and the pain in your life. I want us to go now to Luke chapter 7. We're going to start reading. I'm certain there are a lot of other places we could go to uh, in Scripture. But the Bible in, in Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start reading at verse 11 and read down through uh, to verse 15. Read down through to verse 15. Actually, we're going to go to verse 16 because verse 16 is really good as well. But the Bible says this. It says, soon afterward... Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And, the large, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. Listen to this, this phrase. God has come to help his people. God did not invade the world in that moment to make it perfect. Jesus didn't come into the world as that babe born in a manger, the incarnation that John chapter 1 talks about where God became flesh. He didn't do that to make the world perfect. He came into the world to save sinners. To help those who were helpless. We see in another place in Matthew chapter 9 where the Bible says that Jesus looked out over the multitudes and he had compassion upon them because they were harassed like, and helpless like sheep, not having any shepherd. Jesus came into the world to save his own, to save those that he had created and that he had made. The Bible lets us know in this passage of Scripture, it shows us three things that Jesus did to handle the pain of this woman and the pain of the situation. Now, there is no, in my opinion at least, there is no 
greater pain than a parent losing a child. I have, I have lost a father. I, my father died in 2006, and to this day, I still wish that I could call my dad and I could talk to him. But I want you to know I have seen the loss of parents losing a child. And frankly, parents were supposed to go first. It's not supposed to happen the other way around. But for this woman, her grief was that it happened in the opposite way of what life really is, how life is supposed to play out. The bottom line was this woman who was a widow had already lost her husband. The husband was gone and now her only son, her only son. Now, for many of you, it may not mean a, big, uh, a great deal, but her son was to be the means of her support. She couldn't go out and get a job. This wasn't 2014. She couldn't go to a temp agency and say, you know, I can type 60 words a minute. Why don't you, you know, just find some work for me? That didn't exist. In fact, women didn't work. In that time, there was no ability for her to earn a living. There was no one there. Her son was her only means of support, and now her son was gone. I want you to see the very first thing that Jesus did. The Bible says that he had compassion on her. Jesus first reached out in compassion to the one in pain. He had compassion on this woman. I want you to know that God looks at each and every one of us and he sees us and he says, I will look out for them and I have compassion on whatever it is that they are going through. You might be going through a dark moment in your life. You might feel as though somehow you are all alone and there's nobody, there is nobody there that can help you. There's nobody that understands, but you've got to understand today that God has uh, his eye on you. This woman had the attention of Jesus. The Bible says this. He saw her. You have his attention. He saw her. He saw this woman first. I don't think he looked at the coffin and saw the coffin first. He saw the grieving mother, mother the widow, who had now not, not only lost her husband, but now had lost her only son, and thereby putting her into a position of being destitute for the rest of her life. The compassion of Jesus runs to the deepest need of your life. You need to know that he cares about what it is that you're going through. He cares about how it is that you're feeling today. He cares about the desperate nature of your problem and your difficulty. He loves you and he has compassion upon what it is that you may be going through. Bible says he saw her. And I've got to imagine that we can equate that with us as well here today. That he sees us. That he sees what you're feeling. He knows the, the troubles and the pains of your life, the things that you're going through, the questions about tomorrow that you can't answer, that you can't quite figure out. You've got a plan maybe in mind, but it's not quite working the way that you had hoped it had worked or it would be working out. And I've got, listen, Jesus makes it very plain. It's very plain from this text that he saw the one who was hurting. He saw, not the dead man, the dead, he knew what to do about that. 
you know, that you're, you're, you're talking to the resurrection and the life at that moment. So don't worry about the dead guy. Worry about those who are grieving and those who are hurting. And at this moment, this woman was in so much pain. She was hurting so badly. And I want you to know that she had the attention of the master. You've got to know today, you've got the attention of Jesus. You have his attention with what you're going through. He saw her. The Bible says that his heart overflowed with compassion. It overflowed with compassion when he said to her, the Bible says when he saw her, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. His heart went out to her. He overflowed, as one translation puts it, with compassion. Jesus doesn't look down on your pain. He is touched by your pain. He doesn't stand off as a, an object, objective observer. He is touched by it. It's kind of like when a child goes to a mother and that child is in pain. I, I know my wife, she, she said, you know, and early on, it seemed like when Jamie was, I don't know, three, four, five, uh, Forget it, six, seven, eight. You know, it, it seemed like it was her lot in life to constantly trip and fall. And she would, she would hit in one of two places. She would hit a knee and skin the knee, especially in the summertime, as she'd try to run on the, you know, the pavement. She would skin the knee. So I, I think when she was getting out of preschool and going into kindergarten, I mean, her knees were just, both knees, just scarred like crazy. Band-aids all over the place, but some serious, serious skinning of the knee. And, and, or it was either she'd land on her knee or she'd land on her face. In which case, you know, there have been already now two trips, I think, to the dentist for the same tooth that has been broken. And, you know, it, it just seems like there was always that stumbling. But whenever it would happen, I would, I would see, of course, to me, I'm a dad, so I have, you know, we're, we're a little more dead, right, dads? No, I'm kidding. But, you know, the mom feels the pain. You know, the child falls, and, and, and I remember Mary Ellis would say to me, she'd say, it, it, I, I feel it. It hurts me to see her hurt. I want you to know that when God sees you stumble, when he sees you fall, when God sees you be in pain, you've got to know that he's not just this objective observer that's just kind of standing back looking, saying, hmm, too bad. Hmm, I really wish that hadn't happened to them. No, the Bible says that he can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities, your pain and your sorrow. The Bible lets us know that in Isaiah 53, all of what Jesus went through, he went through so much for you and for me, not so that he could understand it, but so that we would know what it is that for him to know that he understands everything that we're going through. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, his heart overflowed with compassion. He had pity on this woman. He cared for her. He was touched by the feelings of her afflictions. And God is touched by the feelings of your afflictions. You might have told your trouble to somebody. and Maybe they wept with you. and That was, that was an experience that 
you know, was wonderful. It at least made you feel as though they understand. But listen, there isn't anybody who understands the depths of the pain and sorrow of your heart quite like Jesus. There isn't anybody who knows how to have compassion like Jesus. You see, compassion goes beyond just sort of, you know, feeling. It goes beyond how you feel on the inside. Compassion moves to act. It moves to change the situation. It moves and springs into action. And listen, brothers and sisters, you've got to know today that Jesus will handle your pain by having compassion on you and what it is that you're dealing with. Now, there's something else that Jesus does. And that is, not only does He have compassion, but He speaks to her pain. It, it, in verse 13, in fact, the Bible says that just two little words in the NIV, it says, He tells her, don't cry. Don't cry. Now, have you ever told somebody not to cry who is in a lot of pain? And sometimes it backfires on you, man. You, you can tell them, don't cry. What do you mean, don't cry? Do you have any idea what I'm going through? But Jesus, what, he interrupts a funeral. Can you imagine this? He interrupts a funeral. A place where you're supposed to cry. It's not out of the ordinary. It isn't out of place. And he goes to the woman who has lost everything. And says to her, don't cry. Now, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. I, I, you know, it's kind of hard to imagine. It almost seems insensitive and an insensitive thing to say, given the fact that Luke points out this was her only son and he was lying dead in the coffin. It just seems so strange. Don't cry. But yet, when Jesus was looking at the situation. He was looking through a set of eyes where he saw the end and the solution. And when God begins to speak to your heart to calm down and to just take it down a step and don't cry over the situation, don't worry about the situation, it is because God has a solution in mind that is going to blow your mind. That God has a solution for you. That God is able to come into that situation. We let our emotions go crazy. We let our emotions go nuts. And the problem with that is, is that sometimes we allow those emotions to control our decision making. Reading a book right now, which I won't mention at the moment. Not because I shouldn't, but just, you know, I'm, I'm getting through it. Uh, it's written by somebody who, you know, I'm not sure about their faith, their Christianity. In fact, in the beginning of the book, he says, I'm probably the worst Christian there is. And then, you know, somewhere in the book, there's a couple of, you know, profanities that are, are said. And, you know, but nonetheless, uh, it is, it is, uh, I won't recommend it right now. I, I just, uh, but I'm reading it because it's, it's in the vein of my interest. He is heading in a direction that has been captivating my attention of late in the Christian faith and in the reality of, of life uh, and life as it relates to God. He lifts God up. He does. Uh, but, you know, I let God work out oh, the salvation of individuals, not me. Uh, I don't stand as the judge. He does. Um, 
But, you know, he, he mentions in all of that that a lot of times there are these situations where we, we come to, to this place in our lives where we assume that God is just so unfair and unfeeling. And I want you to know that, brothers and sisters, that in the middle of all of that, God is present with us. In the middle of our pain, God is present with us to tell us, don't let the emotions get out of control. He mentions in his book, he says, a lot of times when something, a a belief has started out of emotion, it is often Uh, a fallacy. It is often not true. You will find that if you make a decision based on emotion, it may come back to bite you later on. I've done it. I'm sure some of you have as well. You make a decision out of emotion and somewhere along the way, you have to pay the piper because the piper comes a calling. And you know what? The bottom line is We've done it. We can't do anything about it. And we sometimes bemoan that. We cry about it. We worry about it. And I want you to know that in the middle of all of that, in the middle of emotions that can get crazy, the Bible lets us know that we've got somebody who cares about our emotions, who cares about what we're feeling and what we're going through. God knows exactly what it is. He speaks to our pain. And He says, you don't need to cry in this situation because... I'm, I'm about to come in, and I'm about to take care of this. I'm about to help you. Now, is he going to help you in the way that you would imagine? Be careful of doing that. Be careful of putting a limit on God. Be careful of saying, now, God, here's how I'm expecting you to answer this prayer. When God may be saying, I want to do so much more than what it is that you are expecting. Don't allow yourself into the position of dictating to God how it is he should answer your prayer. Just, you know, do like I just preached on this a little while ago. Like Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you know. Only you know, Lord. So you do it. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe in you and hope in you. But he speaks to her pain. But then he also speaks, the last thing is this, to the impossibility. He speaks to the impossibility. Some of you may have impossibilities in your life in this moment. There may be an impossibility that you are dealing with and you are going through and And there is something that is beyond your control. It's beyond your power to change. It's beyond your power to fix. It may be a problem in your life, something that is bigger than you are. I want you to know that the Bible says here, and it indicates that he speaks to the impossibility. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 14. It says, then he went up to, he went up and touched the coffin. First of all, right there, and you can see the very next words, and those carrying it stood still. You know why they stood still? Because they were already unclean. Under the law, to touch a dead person or a coffin or anything like that made you ceremonially unclean. Jesus enters the situation as a rabbi, as a teacher, as somebody who who understood all of the laws of Moses, and he walks up to that coffin and he touches it. And in that moment, there was probably a collective, he's going to be unclean. He goes up and he touches it and they stop. But then he speaks, not to the woman, not to the widow. 
He speaks not to the people who had gathered, who were mourning with her, whether they were hired or not, whether they were family members or not, whether they were friends or neighbors or whatever the case might be. He doesn't speak to them. He doesn't speak to their feelings about the problem. He had already done that. He spoke to the one who had the deepest need in her life. He had already spoken. But I want you to know the next thing he does is he speaks to something that you and I have great difficulty speaking to and it is the situation he speaks to the impossibility how does he do that the bible says he says he said young man i say to you get up he speaks to a dead person we don't often do that or maybe we do in our grief i know from time to time my mother has told me that sitting in the house where she is She has, at times, she loves the Lord. She knows she can't talk to dad. She understands that. But sometimes she says, I find myself saying things to him as if he were here. You you do that. It it does that. But Jesus walks into into this situation, into this impossibility. This man was dead. There wasn't anybody in that place who could do anything about it. Nobody there could change it. There wasn't anyone who could offer that woman or anybody else hope except Jesus. He walks into the situation and he speaks to that dead person. And he says, young man, I say to you, get up. And with the voice of authority, it rings down through eternity. It rings into the place where that man was, his soul was. And all of a sudden, life comes back into that boy. I want you to know that the enemy may come along and say to you, it's impossible. It's dead. There's nothing that God can do in this situation. There is no way in the world that God is able to help you. But I want you to know today that God will speak to the impossibility. He will speak to that situation and you will see God come through for you in a moment where you never expected it. Look, I don't know how much they knew about Jesus. I don't know how much that widow knew about him. I don't know how much those pallbearers and anybody else who was gathered around at that funeral knew about who Jesus was and about what his power was. But after that, they they had to confess. You had to be able to say there is nothing that is too hard for God. There is no impossibility that can stand in the way of a mighty Savior who is able to do abundantly above all that you can ever ask or even think. I want you to think about the thing that you're hoping for today that hasn't happened yet. It ought to be a thing that you're praying for, not just hoping for. It ought to be something that you're laying before the Lord and you're saying, God, the enemy is trying to tell me that this thing is dead. The enemy is trying to tell me there's no more hope in this situation. Sorry, I think I'm getting loud. The enemy is trying to tell you That somewhere along the way, it died, the dream died, the hope died, and there is nothing that you can do about it. But Jesus walks into that funeral, and he says, young man, you who are dead in that coffin, get up. And he got up. He sat up. He sat up in that moment let's go to verse uh you know what let's just go 
over there and take a look at it one more time. Verse 15. The Bible says the dead man sat up and began to talk. All of a sudden, he's looking around and saying, what in the world? I don't know what he said. We don't know what he said. But you've got to imagine, why am I in this box? Why are people holding me up here? Why, you know, what, what, what is this? What's going on? And all of a sudden, he's talking. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Oh, I love that. That's like, that's like a reunion. Like, you've never, you know, Oprah couldn't even do it that good on her show. You know, nobody, nobody could do it like Jesus. Jesus woke the dead up and gave them him back to his mom. And his mom knew there was now hope because Jesus had invaded the situation. And the Bible says they were all filled with awe as they should be. And they praised God. They, they didn't just stand there, but they, they began to praise God. And then they didn't understand about the identity of Jesus because they said a great prophet has appeared among us. They still didn't quite get the whole fact that He was the Son of God, that He was God become flesh. He was deity as well as man. But that, that being said, that's not, a, that's not a problem in the story because the Bible says this and they confess God has come to help us. Listen, nobody else will be showing up for you, but I want you to know that God will show up for you. There might be people in your life who will look at you and say, I don't know what to do about that situation, but God knows what to do about that impossibility. God knows how to take care of that. God has come to help us. He didn't leave you alone. He didn't leave you sitting there wondering to scratch your head how in the world were you ever going to make it in this situation. He didn't leave you to sit and question whether or not he even cared. Brothers and sisters, the times where we begin to ask those questions are the times that we need to immerse ourselves in the Gospels once again to see a, a, a Christ who came into this world, a Messiah, an anointed one who didn't just stay deity, but the Bible says that he laid aside that glory for a moment and he became flesh. He became like us. He could feel the pain that he experienced on the cross when he was nailed to the cross, when he was beaten, when he was whipped. He could feel all of that. And he did it for you. He did it for me. I got to tell you today that Jesus is the only one who will ever fully comprehend and understand what you're going through. The very closest person in your life may not be able to even comprehend it, but Jesus knows, and He cares, and He can speak to the impossibility. The enemy has come alongside some of you, and He said, it's impossible. It's impossible. And God says, it may look impossible to you, but what is impossible with man, hallelujah, is possible with me. I am able to do more in this situation than you could even begin to imagine. So brothers and sisters, you might be going through pain today. I want you to know the way that Jesus deals with our pain is He speaks to our impossibility. He speaks to our pain. And He has compassion upon us. He cares for us. You might say, well, you know what? I want this person to care. They may not. 
They may not come to that place where they can even fully identify with what you're going through. Maybe they'll sit and they'll listen for an hour or two as you bear your soul, but they might not know what to do for you. I Listen, this is why we trust in Christ. This is why we come to Jesus. This is why Jesus came into this world to help man in their pain. Look, pain is a part of our world. We're not getting rid of it anytime soon. Politicians can try to legislate against it. The atheists can try to say it shouldn't be that way. And I tell you as a believer, yes, it shouldn't. But man has messed it up. It is what it is. And so we've got a Savior who can help us in the midst of what it is. He walks with you. He helps you. And He can talk to you. And he can minister to your pain in the midst of your situation. I want us to stand together right now.